Welcome to Gu Dao Jingxing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into the ancient texts of Taoism to uncover its timeless wisdom and apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm David Wang, executive coach. I'm joined by my co-host Ian Felton, a practicing psychotherapist. Good morning, Ian. Hey, David. How are you? I think um, the the long two years of of COVID and winter and the long winter and all that and just being very, very much in, um, immersed in all that and societal things. It's 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 definitely feeling like a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very um, tumultuous time, and also you know people um, in different walks of life. You know, especially those uh, essential workers, uh, the workers, mm-hmm. and um, now I feel like I really admire them a lot because they have the the courage, um, you know, to meet the moment. Yeah, it's 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 a great use of that that word. Um, just I know that's our our theme today, and I'll I'll let you kind of explain that. But yeah, the the courage to keep showing up every day and not just facing the risk of getting COVID, but mm-hmm. just the, the constant stream of, of really sick people and hospitals at full capacity. And that that's been the case now for two years. I, it's yes. Courage is a great, great word. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we need courage, uh, you know, at this point in history, uh, but um, if we talked about, you know, we, we associate courage with Taoism, you know, that's probably not the first thing in people's mind because, you know, ev- everything we uh, know about Taoism, you know, um, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, being very soft, you know, sometimes you have to be very humble. But when you dig a little bit deeper, you do find the notion of uh, courage. That's what we're focusing today. But, you know, before we delve into it, you know, perhaps uh, for our listeners, you know, uh, we can kind of start with where we are in our life. And I'm very curious about, like in your life, especially, you know, during the childhood, we also, we all have had our heroes, right? Heroes of um, you know, those people, those uh, who have the character to, who demonstrated maybe courage or other qualities. Who, who was your hero of courage? Well, I don't know how many people would say that he's a Taoist hero, um, but the person that came to mind for me was from Marvel comics and it was the Punisher. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar with, with him at all or not. He had a recently they they've had, they've done it in movie form a couple times. And recently Netflix had a series that it only, it was cut short and, and people were really disappointed because they actually did a really, really good job with his character and it was mm-hmm. cast really well, but probably from the time I was 
nine or ten until late adolescence. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was my hero for sure. Why was he uh, your hero? Like, what about him? What kind of attributes or qualities or you know something that he did? Well, it was so the the courage for sure that uh-huh. <clears throat> that he, Frank Castle his his story was he he was in the military formerly and his family was murdered in the middle of a gang shootout mm-hmm. which you know that's straight out of today stories from today I mean every day that's another story of some innocent child being or or person being killed because you know some gangbangers are just willy-nilly shooting at each other and innocent people are caught in the crossfire and and then we live in the system where politicians they give a lot of lip service to things but nothing ever changes nothing ever really happens we have a criminal justice system that these days seems more content to just turn people loose back out on the street and and that there's no real sense of concern for 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 victims anymore and i felt the same way growing up i mean i grew up in a household with you know a very abusive Mm -hmm. stepfather Mm -hmm. And no matter how many times I would try to get help, nothing would have, nothing would ever change. No, Mm -hmm. would never get any help. He just kind of was always there. And that situation Mm -hmm. really never changed Mm -hmm. until I finally left. And so for me, that's why the Punisher was so important. And, and why he did embody courage, because in this world that I think we still see all the time where people who are willing to use violence against other people, they seem to get their way mm-hmm. and, and they seem to be um, the ones that win a lot. And society many times seems kind of just kind of held held hostage at these violent people and so that there could exist someone like frank castle who just said hey i don't care if i'm only one person i'm going to i guess to some extent follow the way you know just follow his intuition Mm -hmm. and follow his urges and take things um go out and, and and try to fix the problem since you know, no one else was was fixing it. The system wasn't fixing it. Nobody was doing anything about it. These violent people were out there killing. Innocent people were being killed. And he just had the courage to go and get stuff done. You mentioned, like you mentioned the word, uh, follow his way. What, what was his, his way? Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Well, I think he did what he knew how to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, his his training and his mindset he knew how to think strategically and tactically, and he also was a person who knew how to use 
violence if he needed to, to get something accomplished. And so rather than denying his way and just saying like, oh, I'll, I'll let the, you know, I'll let somebody else take care of this kind of knowing that it all that it, it's a big joke. Like no one was going to take care of it. He, he just followed his instincts and took action. Mm -hmm. So that instinct could be like in, in the Taoist uh, uh, way of thinking, it could be like the nature, the, 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 the nature of things or the mm -hmm. natural law. Is that, yeah. would you say that? For sure. Yeah. And I think that is natural law. You know, if you. Because the um, human law is not yeah. working, right? <laughs> right. The human law is not working. There, we, you know, the. I mean, last year in my city, we tied an all time record for murders. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the politicians keep doing the same, you know, paying lip service to everything. <clears throat> you have other people who you know, seem to think that the way out of it is to, you know, ba basically cater to, to, to people knowing that, you know, as a, someone who studies psychotherapy, you mm -hmm. the worst thing that you can do with a sociopath is an, is enable them. But we have a system now that essentially seems to be very much enabling sociopaths. And, mm -hmm. you know, we can see the result, which is just that there's more and more crime. Mm -hmm. The system is failing. And, and yes, the natural way people, you know, if someone is a threat to your family, like you're the one that takes action against it. Like you, mm -hmm. you're the one who's responsible for protecting them. And I think that's what Frank Castle did. He you know, someone hurt my family. Now I'm going to follow my natural instincts and, and handle the problem. Well, that sounds like a lot of the uh, Western movie I, I used to watch uh, when I was uh, in China, even before when mm -hmm. I was in China. Yeah. I love those movies because it gives you the feeling that uh, you take the destiny, you know, in your own hand. Yeah. You, you do what's right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you look, you know, if you look around this, uh, around us, do you see that the courage is just declining or disappearing? Like you mentioned earlier, the system mm -hmm. now is enabling, you know, social mm -hmm. paths and other, you know, kind of criminal behaviors. But uh -huh. like, was it out of indifference uh, or is it out of uh, fear itself that? I mean, or is it just the system? No, no, the system and the people in it, right? So what yeah. do you mean by the system? Do you mean by human beings, like yeah. part of that system, or just like system becoming kind of impersonal? Yeah, I think that um, that's a great question because I, th I think definitely like when the word systemic and systems, it's it gets overused mm -hmm. and becomes this kind of abstraction then that then like well, what can't if there's this abstract concept well how do you change an abstract concept you can't it's just this mm -hmm. you know nebulous thing out there and i think yeah putting personalizing mm -hmm. it and talking about how you know these are people 
in these positions making decisions and why are they making these decisions and and maybe how does the legal structure or these positions existence and and, and enable it or or let that to be the case and so first yes obviously when we're talking about these systems we're talking about how individual people mm. in these systems take actions where they're able to utilize the the other resources whether that be other humans that are subordinate to them other um maybe financial resources that are available to, yep. to them and, and to enact philosophy, you know, philosophical ideas about how things will be done or not done. So for example, one of the popular things these days, we talk about, you know, in the prosecutor's office, extreme left-wing um, prosecutors that have a philosophy that, you know, you don't prosecute crime because you know pe people have been people shouldn't be in prison there's too many people in prison and so you know don't don't prosecute crime that much or if you do prosecute c crime don't put people in jail you know give them some other type of of punishment mm -hmm. and so then that becomes a system of that um, gets institutionalized it gets institutionalized i see yeah and then you have the consequences in society which you see you know every day you hear about now the organized gangs i mean this is this this stuff sounds straight out of the punisher comic books or batman or something like that but where then the organized gangs you know, we'll just walk into stores with garbage bags and just take all of the inventory off the shelf into garbage bags and walk out because it's been institutionalized that no one's going to call the police because they've learned the police aren't coming. I see. The, the community, a large enough portion of the community has adopted an anti-policing mindset that politicians lack the courage to actually do things that <clears throat> most people actually want, but they're not the vocal group. I mean, it's the vocal group that is out kind of shouting and yelling these demands that are creating these conditions that make the, the, the politicians feel enabled to institutionalize these things. And so the consequence then is that you know, we have a much, the average person then has a much lower quality of life because the people in those positions lack the courage. They lack the courage to do what the, what is right because it's that they know that if they do that, that the loud, vocal, kind of bullying group of people will go after them and they would rather not go through that. So they do the cowardly thing and do nothing. I see. So when you going back to, uh, you know, this notion of system. So what I'm hearing is, is the really the di interactive dynamics of, you know, a bunch of players, politicians, prosecutors, yep. you know, people who have a very strong ideological points of yep. view. Uh, yep. All these like people kind of um, 
in a system kind of interact with each other. And, uh, you know, unfortunately pointing to a situation that's lack of accountability. Um, is that the, the, the yeah, you know, the way yeah, you I think, it? yeah, I think so. And, and yeah, I think that's exactly how, how it happens. And then it's the, the people in the middle who are just trying to do their jobs and make a living and feed their families and just live a life then that then have to deal with the consequences of um, a system that kind of lacks courage. I see. Yeah, I, I want to go back to this uh, courage thing. Is it because of fundamentally, I want to probe a little bit. Uh, you know, you mentioned a little bit earlier, the system incentivize, right? That's the, almost mm -hmm. like external factors incentivize uh, mm -hmm. these different players to behave in different ways. But fundamentally, is that because these people don't have the courage in the first place, so they act in such a way that led to the dysfunctioning of the system? Or the system kind of diminishes uh, the human courage of the individual of their individuals. You know, I, I'm trying to understand. Maybe yeah. it's a little bit of both, but yeah, help help us help our listeners understand a little bit about this connection between the system and and individual courage. Well, I think it kind of, it, it always starts with the fact that we're <clears throat> social animals. Yes. And our whole reality is either reinforced or punished by the feedback that we get from other humans. Yes. So I think in, in our society, the way it works that there's wealthy people with a lot of money. I mean, that's uh, obviously um, true who have political agendas and they're able to pump a lot of money into different projects. And in, in the old days, it would, would have just been like the TV networks, but things have become much different in the internet and now there there's all these diversified right channels yeah, it's been diversified whether but whether it's advertising on facebook or twitter or new media whether on the left you're talking about um huffington post or on the right breitbart and 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 so on at the top there's always some rich person with money financing these perspectives. And I think sometimes it, it is a matter of just trying to make money and knowing there's a market for these points of view right. and, and other, but other times it's literally like, I, I have this political philosophy and I want people to adopt it. So I'm going to create this media. Like I think, um, like what Trump is doing, mm -hmm. like trying to create a media company. I mean, it's obviously money money making for him, and it's more like exploiting 
a certain kind of mindset that already exists. But I think there's other people who really are just trying to create propaganda to get people to think a certain way because they want to shape the world and they want to shape society and and they want to instill their own quote unquote meaning that the money yes. there's the meaning meaning creation yeah. but in a sense that is more manipulated and then yep. there's the money part yep and so the average person then is kind of caught in as a pawn in the middle of all of these forces that come from the people with money and their agenda. Yeah. And then the individual is going to be influenced by what are their friends and family listening to? Because we're social animals, and, as you said. Yeah, we're social animals. And so if all of a sudden your best friend is listening to this media channel there's a decent chance that you're going to start listening to it too, just because you want to stay friends with this person and you, you find what they, you want to be able to talk about things. And before you know it, maybe you're listening to it too. And this has been studied to a science. I mean, the CIA for decades, a lot of their research, DARP, DARPA projects, it's the research part of the defense department. So much of their research has been on how do you influence groups? How do you influence groups? How do you influence groups? That's why we even have the word influencer these days, because what they figured out is there's usually one or two people that if you can get them to change their opinion, you might then be able to actually influence hundreds of people because these people's opinion is so strong and dominant. So the strategy then is how, how do you change a million people's minds? Maybe you actually only have to change the minds of about 100 people. And if you can change the minds of that, those 100 people, you, you might then have accomplished taking, um, changing the views of a million people because those influencers' effects are so profound. I see. Well, um, so... Is it fair to understand this way that if we are becoming so influential with each other or not influential, but there's too much of an influence among human beings, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know, given that there's the social animal nature of all of us building, right? We're mm -hmm. all connected. Yeah. But that kind of influence you're talking about, that growing influence, does that growing influence in terms of its power, intensity, right? The length of time, you know, like we're, I feel like we are under influence all the time, right? Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> in, it's in our, during our waking hours. Oh, yeah. Right? Can't get away from it. So that kind of a growing, accelerating influence, does that diminish courage? Because the reason I, I mentioned this is because if you go back in history, Let's say, you know, one, one of my favorite authors is uh, Henry David Thoreau. You know, mm -hmm. he, yep. you know, he felt the influence of industrialized, industrializing society. So yeah. he kind of chose to deliberately live a life there. Yep. So in that environment, he was able to think for himself. You know, I imagine he was also courageous because that influence from other, you know, as a group 
what you whatever you call it, you know, herd men mentality or peer yes. pressure is lessened. So my question for you is, uh, do you think that kind of a growing connectivity and influence actually make us weaker in the sense of lack of courage? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, okay. So I, I want to come to, I, I want to touch upon your point about Thoreau and his approach. And then also your, your second question too, I'm just going to answer the, the second question about it making us weaker. Yeah, of course. I mean, I see what's happening with even the metaverse. I mean, I wrote, I wrote about it and before it was called the metaverse, I wrote a science fiction book called The Coding Samurai. Um, 2015 is when I wrote it. And essentially where people are living in the metaverse for the most part, and those messages get even more intense. And basically it just gets to the point where you just follow the signals from this augmented reality metaverse mm -hmm. and it kind of just tells you what to do and life has been pretty easy for a long time if you just adopt the principles of the system and follow it along this is going to make it even easier and yeah pe people aren't going to have to think for themselves do anything really they're essentially going to be intellectual slaves to the system that's going to just kind of guide them from point A to point B from the time they wake up to the time they go to sleep. And maybe there's a little bit of something that you'll have to do, but essentially what will be created is a system to extract wealth from everyone and, and people. It's going to be so much easier just to follow the signals and the system than to think for yourselves that yes, almost everyone that's the path that they're going to take. It, and it, so, yeah. It feels like the, should I use the word hollowing out of an individual, of a yeah. human being? In other oh, words, yeah. like it's all externalized into a system, then becoming a more of half of like, uh, you know, uh, what do you say? Like the response, you know, the oh, oh, yeah. response. To, yeah, completely. Yes. Hollowing out the, yes, making everyone, I mean, It'll be communist, but not like the type of communism that we think of. It's not going to be like Stalinism or Marxism. Right. It's going to be, here's what it's going to be. It's going to be a technologically driven communism. It's going to seem like there's all kinds of individualism because you're going but to be But that's superficial, like, right? It's, it's superficial. Cosmetic. It's exact. Oh, that's brilliantly put. It's going to be a cosmetic individualism but it's going to be communist and thinking and behavior and how like total obedience to the system will be required. And if you try to veer away from that at all, there's going to be, you'll be punished for it financially, socially in every way. And it will be global. I mean, that's like the whole point of, like all of On the a global satellite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All the satellites going into space, you know, 40,000 satellites, I think that Elon Musk has put into space. And mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's, yes, it's, it is going to hollow out the individual completely. Yes. So going back to that, so all these factors at play could impact our capacity for courage, let's say. 
Yeah, we're going to become more like ends. So I, the, kind of the vision that I see if this thing plays out the way that it's going, humankind will stay social, and but but the system will act more like insects, like ants in a, the system that ants use, where you're just following these chemical signals. Mm-hmm. The chemicals are just the metaverse, right? The, 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 techno, the technology kind of telling you what to do and you following those signals. And it'll look very sophisticated. Like we'll think that we're, because we're still going to like say, speak like people and mm-hmm. make all these, um, we're going to think clever things that we're going to be doing, but essentially we're going to be acting like ants in this system. I see. I see. I see. That's very interesting. Well, shall we uh, shift to another time, the time of Laozi and Zhuangzi? You know, um, I think it would be helpful to draw some comparison. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe during that time there was some impulse of the society and civilization toward where we are, but not quite at a large global scale as today. Mm-hmm. These wise people, they they could smell it, they could read it, they could sense it, they could feel it, mm-hmm. and um, you know they share their their thoughts and perspectives. Huh? Yeah, these I mean, I mean, I think that it, it connects back to your your same um, what you started to talk about Thoreau that Lao Tzu essentially took that same step of courage, which, which I think it is, it, it is courageous. People would say it's, some people would say it's, I think here's the thing is that some people see it as being fatalistic and I guess. Yeah. Fatalistic or resignation, right? Yeah. Renouncing from the world. You're right. You're, you're, you're like a, uh, how would you say coward, right? You are not fighting the good fights. Uh, yes. In this, in this world, right? Yeah, and and so I think that that I think it's a valid opinion. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. a valid opinion to say about Lao Tzu. It's like, oh, well, he went off onto the mountains, so like, you know, he he was a quitter. He gave up. Like he didn't he didn't stay and fight the good fight. Right. I think that's a valid perspective and one to be respected but i think if you actually look though the courage that it takes to leave people behind i mean people that you probably want to talk with and and wanting to feel connected but just to say like hey it, it, the price is too big for me to stay in this system because i can see where it's heading and so i'm at, i think it takes a a tremendous amount of courage to just say, I'm going to go out into the woods. I'm going to build a cabin or a yurt or whatever that is and just live naturally like mm-hmm. we would have before these systems of power. Cause that's really what they are. I mean, they're systems of power at the top. There's always a person who has, the ability to use, I mean, again, violence, we're talking about violence, the threat mm-hmm. of violence, the ability to use violence, and to say, I'm going to move away from the system of power that can use violence against me, and basically go out into the woods and just live on my own, um, 
that takes a tremendous amount of courage. I agree. I agree. And also considering that he used to hold this、uh, prestigious title of the director of the Imperial Archive, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Very. I mean, for most people, that's an aspiration. It's like that's a dream come true. Yeah. And for Lauza, you know, getting so disillusioned with obviously what he saw and seeing, just no, this is not a dream. It is a nightmare. Yeah. And the nightmare is just going to get worse. And I think that's true. Yeah.、Um, and to say, no, I'm I'm done with all of this and. I'm just going to live, follow the Tao. So sometimes quitting or letting go of certain things takes even more courage. One hundred percent. One of the Tai, one of the Taiji Chuan,、um, um, one of the Taiji guys that I follow, Adam.、Um, um, Menser, I might, I might have just butchered his last name, but hopefully I'll be forgiven if anybody hears this who even knows who I'm talking about. But、um, he says the core of the core of his Taiji is is letting go. Like that's that is that is the principle that you're trying to master. Right. And and you master that through. I mean, a lot of it is through. These sinking postures that are very demanding, physically and emotionally. But but in the process, what happens is you have to continuously let go. You have to let go of what you want. You have to let go of what you think things should be like. You have to let go of comfort. You have to keep letting go. Every moment is this process of letting go of whatever this. Next thing that you want to hold on to in your mind, and eventually what you arrive at is a much more stable, peaceful frame of mind. I was wondering what makes letting go require vast amount of courage or. What about letting go? What, what you know, psychologically speaking, why letting go is so hard? Like people are, you know, it's kind of scary <laughs> to let go. Yeah, it's terrifying, but and and that's why it is kind of one of the most bravest, courageous acts that we can do, and why it is fundamental to Tai to Taiji, which is also. Taoist. I mean, it's der- derived from Taoist philosophy. Yeah.、Um, because we want certainty. Our brains crave certainty. That's why our minds have been forged through evolution to look for patterns to create stability. Right. Like basically, it's like if I've been safe doing what I'm doing, don't mess it up. Like don't change anything because this is way. Like, don't take the risk because trying something different could be dangerous, and so、right. like, don't do any of that. So, that 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 is the, where the inertia is: is to create pat schedules. I I want each day to be just like the other because it's predictable, and I'm going to feel safe. 
letting go of all of that works against what the brain wants. But the problem is, is that that way of staying predictable and scheduled also makes us spiritually weak in a way. What do you mean we, by that? Spiritually? Because we get, because we get attached to superficial things. What do you we mean get by attached, superficial things? We get attached to things like our schedules and our identity and our job and our um, relationships, which are important, I'm not saying that they're not important, mm -hmm. but the problem is, is that we, we, we will sacrifice a whole lot of um, spiritual strength and emotional strength to, to keep those things the same because letting go is means that we're, we're facing the fact that the reality is all those things are going to go. I mean, they're not going to stay there forever. Mm -hmm. and through, it's and through like an impermanence, it, right? It's the, impermanent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so practicing it daily through, you know, Tai Chi, you're, you're training your mind for that. And, and even in, um, I don't practice Tai Chi competitively. I'm too old to be a competitive fighter, but, um, even in those moments, you're, that's the whole point. If, 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 if you're attached to some particular outcome, right. That's how you're going to end up lo losing. I mean, you still want to try to win, but the point is, is that. What are you, know, you losing? Well, I mean, you'll be the one on the ground knocked out instead of the other person on the ground knocked out. But, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, what are you losing? I think, you're going back to e ego now. And I think that's the thing. It's like letting go of our ego that we have to have some title in the world or some status in the world. Right. That is what's courageous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It seems like, somebody. you know, as I'm hearing between the lines, uh, you say something like uh, letting go. To, we, we hold on to a lot of the superficial. Superficial relative to what you're saying, like the, the spiritual strength, right? The yeah. deeper side of ourselves. So yeah. it, it, it seems like the assumption here is what defines us is more of a, that deeper thing. Uh, is that what you mean? Like, do we have to believe that? Like that essential, what the essential uh, being or part of ourselves is more important than the uh, than the superficial or maybe even changing. Yep. No, a hundred percent. I mean, even so third wave cognitive behavioral science mm. and, and, and even psychoanalytic, um, they use different terms, but essentially, um, we talk about the experiencer of our lives. That, yes. That, that's the essential part. So here's a little thought exercise. Go back and, and imagine how you thought when you were a five-year-old child mm -hmm. and look at those thoughts, just some, a few of those thoughts. Yeah. Just imagine them. Now imagine yourself as let's say a 30 year old, just kind of starting out in adulthood Yeah. and look and look at how you thought then. And now look at your life now and how you think now. Yeah. And now imagine yourself, let's just say 30 years from now, at your oldest and wisest, most Taoist self. Mm -hmm. 
and imagine how you might think then, you can see the entire content, the content of our thoughts, the, the superficial, that it, it, it might as well be four different people. I mean, the, the thoughts are completely different. And, um, but, but what is continuous is that there has been this part of you that has experienced all of those moments, all of those times in your life. And it's that experiencer of our lives that is the more essential, durable, less changing part of ourselves. The content inside and the superficial um, sensory input, that changes drastically. I mean, you don't live in the same house that you lived in when you were right. five. You are probably not going to still be living where you're living now when you're 95, I'm guessing. Yeah. And so all that stuff completely changes, but we try so hard to hold on to that superficial stuff when it's inevitable, it's all going to change. And so letting go of identifying with that and then rather identifying just with the part of ourselves that experiences this life, just that, that pure essential experiencer that has continued from the time you were born till the time that you die. But all that superficial stuff is going to change. It's going to be completely different. It's going to be completely obliterated over and over and over and over and over again. Very interesting. What you're saying reminds me of uh, some verses in the Bible where Paul, uh, you know, St. Paul used to say, like, still right now in this world, we look at ourselves, we are like a little kid, like the, mm. the thought of age at age six. Eventually, mm. you know, we will evolve. We will we'll. we'll We'll find out. We'll know at an earlier, another dimension, another, you know, level of evolution, who we really are. So, mm -hmm. what's you know, I personally also experience that, uh, you know, because now at my age, I feel like yes, the daily experience, as you said, the contents of my thoughts are vastly different, right? Mm -hmm. Because, yeah. but I feel like there's another kind of more stable self, which is becoming more uh, less fearful. Uh, I wouldn't use the word like um, super confident, but I mm -hmm. would use the bold because I see through a lot of my experiences some some maybe some patterns. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so maybe that's that's a sign that that's the that's where that structure or maybe that structure itself is consciousness itself or mm -hmm. awareness, whatever, you know, other people call. But I find that is both not only I, I think relatively stable, as you said, but also evolving just during my lifespan. Mm hmm. That's the kind of the, you know, my personal experience as you're describing this experiencer. You know, we are mm -hmm. the experiencer of life forces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I would add a little bit, like, I think I'm more uh, courageous now than, uh, than, the, um, uh, than I used to be when I was young. 
-hmm. In China, there's actually saying uh, the older, uh, we, we call it the older ginger. You know the ginger? They say oh. the, the older the ginger, the spicier it is. <laughs> <laughs> because the older people, you, you know, you don't care that very much, yeah. right? Right. Because like when you were young, you're timid. You say, oh, you know what the other, you know, I remember when I first entered, entered the uh, work world, you know, you have to kind of tip your toe, like, you know, tip your toe, like very carefully, right? What do your boss think about it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, that, again, that, that, that clinging to the identity of a job like oh i am this job and if i lose this job it's going to be this crushing blow and so then you care very much about what your boss thinks and yeah etc etc yeah yeah so that's my personal experience and the cross generational experience I, I i can see that the new generation they are bolder uh than i am they don't uh you know People say, oh, they're not working hard, but that's another way of looking at it. What I'm looking at it, sometimes I feel like they get more um, information or maybe they're in, more enlightened to see mm -hmm. the, you know, the structure of the world. I mean, the infrastructure, mm -hmm. the ideology of the world, let's say, or the, the I, I feel the, the world has to you know, all these forces to condition our mind. But these younger generation, I feel like they see more earlier. Of course, after that enlightenment, what they're going to do it, I think is still a question. But I can see that they are enlightened more early, like earlier yeah. than I do. Why do you think that's changing? Well, I think just people, information exchanges, like the, uh, in a way, well, let me, let me put it this way. I think we're in a kind of a dichotomy or paradox. As you said, mm -hmm. the machine forces are becoming mm -hmm. stronger, right? Yeah. We're becoming more like ants. Yeah. Uh, it just pushes there. But yeah. individually, if you talk to people uh, in their true itself. I feel like more people are actually a less identifying with whatever prevailing mm -hmm. value in the society. They, mm -hmm. they know it. They know they are only play a role. So the, the thing is, I think they are not, for whatever reason, they haven't yet like really integrating these two, like their truest thought, deepest thought, mm -hmm. and their societal role. So they are kind of switching back and forth. That's what I see. So, so maybe, I mean, maybe society is on the verge of making a much bigger courageous step in, and rejecting a lot of these efforts to turn them into the ant colony. I feel those like uh, opposing forces. It's like, it's a battle right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's pull back from our discussion, our reflection, um, you know, maybe uh, we can uh, talk a little bit about in our daily life, right? Yeah. This courage, what does it mean if we want to walk the timeless way? 
you know, as our podcast is seeking to do, uh, how do we, how do we cultivate, how do we, uh, practice and embody this courage? Yeah. I mean, I would just say, I mean, I don't, I know not everyone likes to practice Tai Chi, but Mm -hmm. for me that that's where the practice is, is really practicing um letting go and in a in a physical way that trains Mm -hmm. your mind i mean that is one way to do it and to train yourself that way a lot of people aren't going to do it because it's not comfortable Mm -hmm. but i think that's a great way of doing it i think practicing real tight so tai tai chi has they say that there's three elements Mm -hmm. So the um, the the first one is lian, mm-hmm. and so practice. Right. Um, the other part is um, I forget the Chinese character that they use for it, but it's basically practicing with a partner so that you can practice the skills. But then the third one is um, biao yan, mm-hmm. and that's the performance part. A, right. a lot of people who practice Tai Chi, they just do it, the performance part, and they never actually practice the, the Lian part, which is that letting go practice, because it's very, it's uncomfortable and it's challenging. Right. But you really do learn to let go and train your mind to let go. So, I mean, that is a real practical way of doing it that I think there's, there's really no other equivalent too because it is it is very challenging and i think that that kind of training i mean even people who who use maybe something that's not so physically demanding like meditation they might sit there for an hour which that's super challenging too to just sit there for an hour and kind of let go of all of your urges letting go of all of your just continuously practicing letting go and just observing whatever's happening superficially without getting caught on it that's challenging too i actually prefer i think one reason why i prefer like santi which is a particular posture you can practice it for 10 or 20 minutes and get a very intense sense of letting go because holding the position kind of speeds things up like it condenses that challenge Mm -hmm. to a smaller amount of time so i mean those are my thoughts on it but not everybody's into meditation or martial arts so what do those people do i mean i think it's there might be other things that you can do psychologically but i still think those ancient practices have persisted for a reason because it helps people to practice those those very things and there hasn't really been another substitute for that i mean yoga the same thing you're holding those postures for long periods of time why why are those common features present across cultures civilizations etc i mean they obviously provide something yeah 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 it's interesting to hear you saying there are three uh, stages like of tai chi and one of those is like performance um, when you say when you said that, I immediately thought about uh, courage. Like mm. traditionally, we you know if you you know mention the word courage, the first thing you 
you you you had in mind is more like as we talk at the very beginning, the heroic act, right? That heroic yeah. act, that that uh, fearlessness, that bravery, you know, it's like physically and visually you can see it, right? Because in our culture, we have lots of movies and you know, like pictures, images mm -hmm. like that. It's it's like at the performance level, but oh, the thing, yeah. really the hardest part is actually the quiet courage. Uh, meaning nowadays, you know, at least at this stage of our history, we don't have those like wars, like it give right. you the well. We you know we're we might, might yeah. we might yeah, <laughs> but uh, but over the past you know thirty forty you know many years fifty yeah. years. It's relatively peaceful yeah. time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, giving the other forces, you know, as we talked earlier, there's like a, maybe a dwindling of like a courage. But still, I think there's a chance to practice our courage in daily life. Like, for example, uh, maybe things like every day, you know, can I just, you know, push myself a little bit and, uh, you know, like undertake mm -hmm. things. Um, you know, that originally I feel like uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Just speaking up in ways that maybe feel like you're rocking the boat or. Yeah. You know, or you against the the approval, a favor Correct. of somebody you care, right? Yeah. Those things. Yep. Uh, sometimes we do the self uh, censorship. We, we just repress yes. it. But yeah, but it's also a, a kind of embodiment of courage to speak our own truth and uh, also to try things that deeply we want to try, but mm -hmm. superficially we're not willing to let go of certain things yes. to lose. Right. And, and then yeah. we, we are just like find all excuses or rationale of like, Oh, you know, this is not a, this is a stupid thing to do, but. Right. Like, yeah. like I, I might want to, be able to run a marathon, but that means I've got to let go of, you know, drinking and socializing with my friends who like to do that two or three times a night or, yeah, um, or maybe I want to, you know, get a degree in something, but that means I've got to let go of, um, you know, maybe some other aspect of my life, but yeah, practicing those courageous acts to become, um, what we feel is more whole human beings. Yes, we can certainly practice that every every day, and I think that's a great a great um, clarification to make. Well, we are about at the top of the hour. Really enjoy this uh, exchange and also a conversation with you on, you know, courage, which we need more and more during this uh, chaotic times. And I hope our listener can. Uh, also uh, benefit and, uh, you know, will uh, create an opportunity for our listener to reflect on the courage uh, in them and also around them.